You're listening to HSBC Talks Business. Learn how businesses like yours are leveraging a wide range of banking solutions to maximise their success and how HSBC is helping them. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the latest podcast from HSBC Agriculture. I'm Martin Hansen, the Head of UK Agriculture, and I'll be your host today. As our agricultural managers have been out on farms, the first topic of conversation at the moment tends to be input cost inflation, and in particular, the three Fs, food, fertiliser and fuel. DEFRA's recent announcement about the early payment of area payment money will, of course, help with the cash flow of many farms, but there will still be impacts to farm working capital, both timing of the peak requirement and the amount of finance needed. And then in the longer term, there's going to be impact on the profitability of farm enterprises. I'm joined today by two consultants from Andersons to explore the subject in a little bit more detail. Jamie Mayhew, who in particular has a great deal of experience with arable farms, and Lily Hiscock, who is equally experienced in livestock and particularly dairy and poultry. And I'm hoping that they will share their experiences in respect of what input issues they're seeing, what's having the biggest impact on farms, what some farmers are actually doing in reaction or mitigation, or indeed what they're doing for future planning. And hopefully we'll provide some helpful advice for the months to come. Jamie, I'm going to come to you first because some of the biggest percentage increases we've seen have been in regard to fertilizer. And I'm wondering what impacts and strategies you're seeing on arable farms, and do you have any advice to offer? Morning, Martin. With the fertiliser, we've seen quite a significant increase in the pricing. In terms of the 2022 harvest, most businesses had already bought their fertiliser last year when it was at its cheaper level. So the 2022 harvest might not see the, the impact to the extent of what we might see going into 2023 harvest. However, there will be the working capital requirement to pay for this fertiliser. In most cases, what we are seeing at the moment, um, the, the, um, the suppliers are requesting 28-day payment terms rather than the usual pay delivery now, pay later, without significant interest charges. So we are going to be seeing a far greater pressure on the short-term working capital going into 2023 before we'll see the crystallised profits for the 2022 harvest. So I think the, the important message really is, is really get planning your 23 harvest budget and cash flow now so you can really see when that cash will be required in terms of fertiliser purchasing for next year, which might also influence your marketing strategy for your 2022 harvest to get cash sooner than you might have done historically. Some of the farmers I've been talking to are saying that um, they're just looking at buying forward now, but getting hold of the volume that they want has proved difficult and supplies are a little tight. Is, is that something you've come across? Yes, Martin, I think at this stage where, where new, new season prices have only just come out very recently, there, there have been supply issues. Um, and whether that's to do with the actual fertiliser itself or whether that's been the logistics issues that, that we are seeing, not just in agriculture, but 
all we are saying to, to businesses, if you can get stock, having it on farm in the shed is far better than waiting for potential deliveries and having delays or forced delays on applications going forward. I would agree with that entirely. And one more question before I go to Lily, but in terms of strategies for use of fertiliser, um, I'm sure all farmers are looking at being as efficient as, as possible, but are you seeing any any change strategies regarding how much fertiliser will be used? I think in, in terms of 2022 harvest, again, as I said, most, most arable businesses bought their fertiliser last year when it, when it was cheaper. So... In terms of applications for this year, it, it's, it's that conversation whether they are going to reduce inputs now to be able to carry forward fertilisers into next year. However, with the commodity prices we are seeing at the moment, most businesses are focusing on pushing the crop if, they, if it has the potential to push it. Um, but then perhaps on some crops which are struggling, pulling back ever so slightly. Uh, in terms of adding the, the additional requirement, for example, to get a milling spec quality wheat, decisions are being made in terms of whether or not they are gonna even push the crop this year and just stick to a feed base and not take the risk. Because there's a lot of risk to put the fertilizer on and then not necessarily get the, get the protein spec to even get the quality bonus. So it's, it's quite a high risk at this stage with what new crop, new stock fertilizer costs are. That marries up perfectly with many of the conversations we're having on farms as well about, about our customers de-risking wherever they can. Uh, Lily, I'm gonna to come to you now and ask about uh, fertilizer in respect of grassland management on livestock farms. What, what's your experience? Absolutely. So I suppose on, on the livestock side, perhaps we're a little bit different to arable in that actually we tend to have bought late. So uh, our livestock farmers, whether it's dairy, beef and sheep, um, tend to be probably more impacted this spring than the arable sector might be. Lots of people have talked about just not buying at all and, and totally reducing their input. What we're actually saying to them is, at least for your first cut silage, you want to be making sure you're putting on your, your fertiliser or obviously we've perhaps passed that now. So a little bit of fertiliser going on because actually your forage is still your lowest cost form of feed and you're perhaps better to really focus on good quality forage than having to supplement um, with high uh, and expensive concentrate this autumn. The other point is it probably brings back into play the need to look at things like clovers, legumes, perhaps using your agri-environment schemes to just really benefit your forage and your grassland and, and focus on really good quality forage if you can. And, and I guess the message for you know forage and uh, silage is going to be the you know the cheapest form of feed that you'll be able to generate given current prices. Am I right in thinking that? Absolutely. Even with fertilizer where it is, your forage is your cheapest form and, and best quality feed, really. So that's what we ought to be focusing on. And and often when milk price is high, we tend to forget that. Put the input in in terms of concentrate. Um, and push milk, but we'd be better focusing on efficiency rather than output and really good quality forage. I think that's really good advice. Um, while we're talking about animal feed in general, then, what, are, what else are you seeing? What else would you like to talk to our customers about? Well, we, we all know um, concentrate prices, the same as um, in the arable sector, cereals have rocketed up. Um, 
perhaps even uh, if you look at the organic sector, that's been hit even more so because a lot of our organic cereals come from Ukraine. Um, and we're getting quotes of probably or almost double what we were being paying last autumn. So for dairy, you might have been at 200 to 250 a tonne for concentrate. People are being quoted over 400 pounds a tonne. Um, and like I say, the organic sector, we're talking over 600. So quite scary prices. But what we are saying is similarly to the supply issue in, in fertilizer, we want to make sure we've got that feed. So book it now if you can. Um, not all feed suppliers are allowing forward contracts now, but if you can get to the contract, then look at booking it. Take what uncertainty you can out of the business by uh, by booking it and having certainty of cost. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of try and put stability in where we can. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Jamie, I'll, I'll come back to you now and just sort of give you a free remit, really, to talk about what else you're seeing regarding input costs and, and in particular, any any interesting strategies that you would advocate. Thanks, Martin. Oh, again, go, going on with the with the trend on the fertilizers, the, the general requirement for working capital will be much greater over the coming months than it has been historically due to these high input prices uh, and, and, and just general operating costs before these 2022 harvest profits are crystallized. However, Despite these, these these high input costs in the in the combinable crop sector alone, um, I'll, I'll come on to fresh produce in, in a moment. Um, the commodity prices will will have continued to increase, which will help offset these these rising costs. I think it's important to note that 2022 harvest for many is going to be a very big profit year, where inputs were bought low at a low cost, and at this stage, commodities percentage sales going into this harvest might not be that high so that there could be quite a significant profit margin made this year which will help fund this working capital but but not necessarily for all businesses casting our minds back to harvest 2020 which is a very hard very poor harvest for many for many businesses this improvement in working capital from this harvest could well cover the losses from historical historic harvest losses so it might not necessarily cover the costs going forward also with what the loan repayments are capital expenditure plans or capital that might have already been earmarked for other projects might mean that the profits purely from this harvest might not be sufficient to cover this working capital uh, as i mentioned fresh produce is a slightly different um, story in that there has been quite a lot of resistance from the multiples in recognising the rise in these input and energy costs um, while contracts are being negotiated over the winter months. So we could see some significant issues in the fresh produce sector um, when it comes to, well, more, more importantly, really, electricity is the, big, is the big one in terms of irrigation costs, storage costs, that there's going to be a significant inflation in costs there, or we have already seen. Um, which might not necessarily be fully covered by the, the price increases that we have seen. In terms of planning ahead, really, Martin, I think in, in the arable sector in general, right at this stage, probably no drastic changes at this stage, simply because that isn't that hasn't hit us yet in terms of, as Lily was saying, in the in the livestock sector where fertilizer has already been bought. It's where we are going into this harvest, as I said, inputs were cheap, but 
we are going to be seeing that that working capital pressure. I know we keep coming back to it, but it is it is incredibly important that it is recognised. Also, the fortunate circumstance of of having a high profit year, there could be a tax burden that needs to be borne in mind. And and again, with with any future planning, it's consulting with your accountant of what that tax burden could be. So again, it can be planned with any cash flow planning. In in terms of, I suppose, the the advice that we are giving and keep going back to planning working capital requirements and starting cash flow and budget planning early um, going forward, even to September 2023, because this will really help with planning what crop sales you might need to be making from the 2022 crop. You might historically not move your crop that's in the shed until March, April, May time. Actually, this might be the year to move it, get the sheds cleared before Christmas to get that cash in the bank to help pay for these inputs. Um, although we are going to be receiving 50% of our basic payments early. However, that might not benefit all businesses. Those who are, who, who are contract farmers won't see that cash benefit until profit shares are paid. So getting the crop moved and cash in the bank will will help ease everyone's pressure in terms of working capital. Just to interrupt on that, a point with the BPS to note is that we are getting 50% early, but it's 50% of a reduced BPS. So it is, it's going down again, um, and we need to just factor that in. in indeed. And I, and I, I think, it, again, this is in the arable sector, the 2020, we've got to remember that 2021 was the first year of the, the, the reduced BPS and the applications that everyone would have just finished early this week will be an, an additional reduction in payments. Although we might not be seeing that reduction due to the, the higher profits we are making, planning forward to next year, 2023, the payment that we're going to be receiving December next year will be significantly less than what we received in 2020. So continuing to plan ahead in terms of those those lump sum incomes that we are all come very used to in the winter months will be rapidly reduced going forward. With all of this, as we stress more and more with our clients, speak to the bank manager early. Give them give them the plan early, forewarned as forearmed, in terms of any kind of future cash flow planning. I'd certainly endorse that, Jamie, and also your comments around budgeting. Uh, and there is a certain irony in that there's probably never been a, a, a time when it's been more important to budget, and there's probably never been a time when it's more difficult to budget, given the uncertainty of both input costs and commodity prices. But it's an important exercise to go through. And I'd also comment on your on your basic payment reflections because. As a bank, we also see that uh, last year, and we're predicting this year, that you know, many of our arable farmers will have been a little bit insulated from the reductions that have taken place. But that won't necessarily be the case in the third year, when, of course, you know, the reduction level is even higher. Indeed. And I know that there, there are conversations going around at the moment about what what the, the replacement for the, the basic payment scheme. And obviously, we... Uh, applications are are opening very soon for the for the new sustainable farming incentive, and in our experience, what we're seeing on the ground is, again, with the with the volatility that we are seeing in the market, the the payment values that are being offered aren't enough 
for businesses to change their structure. If if businesses are already if they're already doing on the ground what the prescriptions are suggesting, then they will probably go into the schemes. However, there's there isn't much appetite to change um, to change actual farming systems to attract those payments simply because in the grand scheme of things, they're they're unfortunately not not enough to to force a well to to warrant the change of systems. It will be interesting to see if DEF were change their view of this um, as the economics of farming have changed in recent months and whether they, they review the uh, level of payments that will be due. Absolutely. So my only point on that is probably countryside stewardship, probably on the, your livestock side, but there are, for some, there's definitely benefits in looking at it. Um, actually, things like your legume lays, whole crop cereals, uh, low input grassland are all things which people are often doing already or in fact might actually benefit their system um, and, and be paid for it by a countryside stewardship so uh, you need to really look at it in a, a business way as to how it can benefit your system um, rather than just doing your buffer strips or just doing your field corners use it as a yeah whole whole farm approach really it is worth looking at in some cases yeah I couldn't agree more um, I'll, I'll stick with you Lily uh, the, the third F is fuel, and if we expand fuel out to energy in more generally, are, are you seeing any uh, trends that you'd like to comment on? And what are your thoughts on the opportunities to generate revenue uh, on farm, given the, the high energy costs that are being paid at the moment? Well, fuel is perhaps one of those more challenging ones, probably on the forage and the arable side. Um, we've already done quite a lot in terms of how we plan our cropping and and making sure our tyre pressures are correct and we're travelling in the right way to kind of reduce um, fuel consumption. What we are seeing probably in the really the intensive sectors being our dairy, poultry, pigs, is that electricity is going to be the big one this year. If people haven't committed to a price last year, they're probably seeing 50% increases. So where it was a small cost, perhaps in the account, suddenly it's becoming quite a big one. Now, there's not much you can do in terms of fixing a, a cheaper price forward at the moment, but perhaps it is looking at that, that certainty if you can. But what it's brought back into play again is probably things like solar on roofs. I absolutely look at it again. What we're also seeing is uh, things like ground solar coming back on the market again. Lots of farmers are being approached. Um, so be wary of the offers, the offers you're getting, but absolutely look at it. And things like AD in a small scale, utilising slurry or waste product, then absolutely it's things to look at to kind of reduce energy if we can. Otherwise, really small things, but things, are, for example, within your parlour, have you got the right equipment to really efficiently use waste water and waste heat? Simple things which just might just ease your cost back a little bit. Um, it, it probably on the energy side is what I'd say. And the, the other point to note, and, it, and it's perhaps a growing market, but... Farmers are the only people with the resource to look at things like carbon, increasing soil organic matter, We're looking at diversification, spring in other income, actually look at your farm as a, a resource. What can you do with it rather than carry on as we always have? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, with regards to uh, power, then certainly providing finance for solar and AD plants, we've seen a certain spike in that in recent times, as, as you might imagine. And regarding your last comment, then we would say to, to look at all the assets of your farm, every single one of them, and see how you can leverage re re revenue from them or you can uh, you know, 
improve efficiencies is an obvious thing to do when times in terms of input costs are, are difficult. Yeah, and, and actually the, the bit I'd just say on that is that our best operators and, and probably have been prior to input costs increasing are those that they tend to look at every single cost, whether that's from accountancy to insurance to electricity. Actually, loyalty doesn't necessarily pay now. It, it's worth looking about getting those quotes. Um, even simply things like dairy chemicals and sundries. Don't just stick to the same supplier. Make, make sure you're looking about because it tends to be that those that are really kind of micromanage almost and look at every detail that tend to do better. That's a, that's a great piece of advice to to end on, Lily. I'm going to just come to Jamie for any final words of wisdom from you. Again, Martin, it's just going back to stressing of, of this plan, planning ahead and, and echoing what Lily was saying about diversification, using your business as, a, as an asset rather than focusing on, on the one single entity that is, that is farming. However, won't fit all businesses. Not all businesses are, are, are blessed to be in certain locations where they can pop up diversification projects, but it's looking at the, the wider picture of what options there are out there for businesses and planning ahead and costings on everything. It's, it's, it's incredibly important to, to plan the business and, and, and really not focusing on profit, but focusing on cash. A profit figure can be misleading in terms of what the actual requirement for cash is. So with any business, when you're reviewing your budgets or your accounts, convert that profit figure into a cash position to see the true position of what a, a year brings in terms of once you've paid for your bank finance, your HP, your capital expenditure, drawings, tax, all of those elements that, that fall below the, the the profit and loss line just to see what your true net cash position is, um, because that, that that is what is going to be essential over the coming months and years. Yeah, your, your comments on working capital and cash are, are very much understood by the bank. Uh, and I guess in sort of in summary, I would say that these inflationary pressures might be here for years, not months in some cases. But compared to the multi-generational nature of farming, they're still relatively short-term issues. And, and certainly HSBC takes the long-term view. So our advice is to maximize the efficiency of a farm. Also consider the medium and long-term efficiency of the, of the farm, not just the short-term pressures. So, so have that plan to move forward. If you're waiting for more certainty, you might be waiting for a while. So where there are opportunities to lock into prices and the farm can be profitable at those levels, then, you know, consider taking the plunge. And finally, to just reinforce the idea that, you know, talk to your bank manager so that we understand how we can help you and we can agree a way forward. And then you're not worrying about cash flow unnecessarily because food production and farming definitely has a future and HSBC will be supporting the industry through these difficulties and continuing to support those long-term commercially viable farms. Jamie and Lily, thank you for your insights today. That's been hugely useful. And that brings today's podcast to a close. Thank you, Martin. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.